You're listening to the Formby Podcast. In this podcast, we join Chris Hunter, a ranger from National Trust Formby. He's taking us on a walk through the woods, onto the beach, along the beach, and then up back into the woods, looking at bird life, listening out for squirrels eating in the trees above. He looks at wheelchair access to the beach at Lifeboat Road. Then he takes us up onto the dunes, describing and exploring the different areas right the way up to Devil's Hole. It's a fascinating walk. Hi there, my name's Chris and I'm one of the rangers at National Trust Formby. Welcome to my audio walk, I hope you like it. I'm, uh, I'm going to go for a bit of a stroll through the pine woods here and um, onto the beach come and explore with me. As a bit of a background, I used to work for the charity Open Country, based over in uh, North Yorkshire, and they're a charity which helps um, people with disabilities to access the countryside. During uh, the COVID pandemic, they've been really popular, uh, the audio walks that they've created, um, so I thought I'd give it a go and uh, create one myself for people who would like to visit Formby, and for, for anyone with any disabilities, or anyone for, for that matter, who would like to come for a stroll uh, virtually. You can recreate this walk, so I'll give you some descriptions of uh, roughly where I'm going, and uh, yeah, I hope you like it. So I'm going to set off um, at the uh, Victoria Road side of the site um, by the notice board on in the car park. I'm going to head north through the Cornerstone Walk and over towards Gypsy. That's kind of basically bearing north and at Gypsy you can kind of head out onto the dunes and onto the beach. So uh, yeah, come and join me. So it's a bit of a windy day today. It's a gorgeous uh, morning, really bright, clear skies, hardly a cloud in it. And it's one of those crisp winter days, which is uh, always really nice to go for a stroll in. The start of the walk, you walk through some medium sort of age uh, birch and sycamore with some very tall and very iconic, the, the pines by uh, Victoria Road. They're very tall, very big, and uh, are quite a good representation of what people remember when they come to Formby. Um, hopefully we'll see some squirrels today. It'll be nice to get some squirrels feeding. It's always a, a big plus for visitors when they come to Formby is to, to see some squirrels. And certainly in the winter is the best time because there's no leaves on the trees and the squirrels are always active looking for, for things to cache. So uh, fingers crossed. So as I'm walking through the cornerstone woods, I can see a lot of sycamore. I can hear, you can probably hear as well, the trees creaking in the wind. They lean on each other and they kind of squeak and it creates this really quite eerie noise. I think if you were walking through the woods at sort of late at night, you'd be quite uh, worried about what that squeaking is. But in the day, you can see the trees leaning at each other and there's nothing to fear. This is one of the areas which is uh, most well used by visitors. A lot of people come here, certainly in the summer, and they walk along this route to get to the beach as it's a bit nicer than just going straight down the road. Yeah, it's very, very popular, and therefore we uh, we come and do our annual uh, tree safety work along here just to make sure that there's no dangerous trees. So as I'm walking along, I can see quite a lot of silver birch, the odd yew tree, in fact, and uh, a lot of sycamore and the pines in the distance. And there's a lot of stumps that I'm walking past. I say a lot, probably about, I don't know, seven or eight, um, just in the last few minutes, which I've spotted the trees which we've either felled this last year or uh, in the last few years 
as they look like rotten birch which are, are going to fall over and onto the path. So it's one of the things that we do here at Formby is to, to do some tree safety work to make sure that any visitor that comes is safe and uh, they're not going to have any trees fall on them, which I'm sure nobody would want. We've had a lot of rain in the last uh, few weeks and it's, it's created a lot of puddles along the path. Uh, most of the paths around for me are really good, very wheelchair accessible, yeah very very firm and, uh, and smooth but certainly the last few weeks we've had a lot of rain and even on free draining sand uh, we do get quite a few puddles that form so if you can hear me walking through a few puddles that'll be why. It's mornings like these which I do feel very lucky to, uh, to work in such a gorgeous place. It's, uh, it's only ten past nine in the morning, but uh, being midweek and being uh, in the middle of winter, I feel like I've got the whole entire site to myself. What's gorgeous this morning is that you've got the sunlight kind of reaching just the crowns of the pine trees. So uh, as your eyes work themselves down the tree, you can see the, the really bright uh, lit up crowns and as you go down it blends into darkness and you get a very sort of dark and dense forest but uh, you've got this kind of joy of a bit of light seeping through the tops and creating this sort of lovely orange glow which is really really nice and uh, yeah certainly a nice way to start the morning. So I'm absolutely chuffed that uh, having only been on the go for sort of 10-15 minutes I've already spotted my first squirrel. The best method to kind of uh, see if you can spot them is to stop every once in a blue moon and, uh, and just stop for five minutes and listen. And what, I'm not sure if you can hear, it's very faint, but you can, if you can really kind of hone in, you can hear the sound of the, their, their feeding falling from the trees. So I'll just stop talking for a second and see if you can hear it. sounds a little bit like raindrops and uh, what I can see above me as I'm standing underneath the tree it's very very difficult to see the squirrel it's amazing how well camouflaged they are up in the crown bits of a pine cone falling kind of around me and that's what I can hear is the sound of those bits of pine cone falling and hitting the branches on the way down and that's what's creating that sort of raindrop sound but uh, as I look up it's only in the first kind of few minutes that I actually got the first glimpse of the squirrel up there it's very very difficult to see because they're very well camouflaged 
but uh, I did manage to s- spot the tail move and once I'd spotted it I was able to keep my eye on it and uh, make sure it was a squirrel but yes it's quite an impressive sight and uh, it's really nice to see a squirrel still doing well at Formby and uh, yeah I feel like I've got the whole place to myself I'm yet to actually bump into anyone today so uh, yeah it's been a a nice start to the day already. I'm glad I've already got a squirrel in because I was worried I'd do this walk and not see a single squirrel. So I've just reached the uh, the northern part of the woods and uh, I've walked past a, a bunch of dead standing, which is what we call trees which have died and are still standing up. There's a nice dog which has come to say hello. Um, so I've reached the northern side of the woods and I'm going to head out onto the dunes. As I said, it's a windy day, so um, I don't think you'll be able to hear me very well, but uh, I'll see if I can get a few words in. So I'm at the top of the dunes here now, looking looking out towards the sea, and then also back inland. Uh, there's a type of grass which uh, grows on the sand dunes here called marum grass, and it's quite prominent at this part of the site. And um, it's quite pretty at these really windy conditions, because you can see the grass move almost like a sea of uh, sort of rippling waves of grass. It's really quite amazing. Um, and as I said, the wind is, is really picking up now, and uh, now that I'm getting closer to the beach, and uh, I'm not sure if you can hear it over the recording, but the, the sound of saltation, which is the process of sand moving, is really quite something as well. And unfortunately, I've forgotten to bring my sunglasses, which is a very rocky error, because on a windy day on the beach, you definitely want something to protect your eyes. Sand in the eyes is not a nice, nice experience, but uh, I'll brave it just for you and I'll head out onto the beach. One of the reasons why Formby is designated as a triple SI, a uh, site of special scientific interest, is because of the importance of the, the intertidal flats which wader birds and wildfowl feed in. Um, this, the Sefton Coast is an important feeding and roosting area for a range of birds, such as uh, knots, sanderling, dunlin, gulls, uh, oyster catchers as well, and they feed on the vertebrates which live in these sort of muddy, silty areas which are exposed at low tide but then covered up at high tide. Another incredibly exciting feature of the Sefton Coast are the footprints which were left here in the Mesolithic and Neolithic times, around seven and a half to sort of five thousand years ago. Um, at the time when the area was a coastal lagoon and the sea was many, many miles further away. These, uh, these footprints of ancient hunter-gatherers who lived here have been preserved in the sediments of the lagoon environment and uh, with each tide they're exposed and also the animals which lived around this time too. So you get to see the footprints of animals such as red deer and oryx which is sort of like a wild, uh, or a large wild ox. It's really inspiring to walk here, uh, literally in the footsteps of our ancient ancestors. And it kind of gives you that sense of perspective on time and how we're really only caring for this environment um, for such a short amount of time and that we're only in this environment for such a short amount of time. Uh, personally, for me, I think it gives me like a, a greater sense of responsibility for it, knowing that sort of any permanent development or damage to this environment and landscape could be lost for future generations. So you think about the species which live here, you know, look at the Natterjack toad. If we were to lose that species from this environment, you know, that'd be future millennia generations just who wouldn't be able to, to witness it or hear the sound of it booming when it um, when the male calls to the female. It's quite, quite a really, uh, it gives you that sense of perspective, like I say, on the responsibility we have on this landscape.
One of the questions which we often get asked by visitors when we're on the beach is why there's so much brick and rubble at the bottom of the Victoria Road walkover where I'm standing now and where it's all come from. So, uh, so many people actually find it quite hard to believe that it hasn't washed ashore and is in fact exposed by every high tide from underneath the dunes. So the rubble actually used to be um, Harrington Barracks, which was a military base for infantrymen from Liverpool, uh, some of which actually took part in the D-Day landings. So after the Second World War, the barracks were demolished and they were used to construct the, the base, the substrate for the caravan site and car park, which is now the Victoria Road Beach Car Park. Um, at this time, the coast would have been many, many metres further out than it is now. But over the decades, as the coastline has eroded, which is a natural process, um, this substrate material has been exposed by the tides. Similarly, further south, there is a large amount of tobacco leaf waste, which was dumped here in the 1950s and 60s by the big tobacco factories in Liverpool, uh, on what was then disused asparagus fields, really. And these clumps of tobacco are very dark brown in colour and quite dense. They break quite easily, and they still have that very strong smell of tobacco. And these tobacco uh, clumps are also being exposed during the high tide, and they can often be found strewn along the beach, along with the rubble as well. Both of these sort of uh, examples kind of highlight the, the reasons why the National Trust took over the land in 1967 and purchased it. So they wanted to prevent such dumping and inappropriate development from happening in the future and to conserve this natural landscape. So I'm going to start heading inland now, heading east. Um, I'm going to come up the path which is marked on the beach marker post as Nicotine Path. I'm going to get some shelter from this bracing wind and I can see that the sun is just about to creep over the top of the dunes so I'm looking forward to reaching the top getting a nice view of the clear sky ahead, the sun and uh, a picture of the, the sea undisturbed as far as the eye can see to my west. Oh, so I've reached uh, the top of the dunes after a bit of a climb. It's hard work walking on sand, certainly uphill. But I've made it to the top and uh, what a reward. Looking over to my east, the sun's only a few inches up in the sky, but giving off this glorious bright yellow sort of whitish glow. And on this bracing winter's day, I mean, it does feel like you're just seeing another world really. Um, you've got that really harsh wind, the gorgeous marram grass, which is just rippling and moving with every sort of breath of wind around you. And uh, it feels very harsh and very, very wild, which is fantastic considering that, you know, you've got big cities like Liverpool and Manchester just a, you know, a short drive away. I don't think there's anywhere else in the country that you can kind of get this sort of experience so close to such a huge number of people. Um, it's quite a special place, really, and uh, one of the reasons why I love working here. Oh, so I've made it to the bottom of the dunes and I'm just catching my breath back after that climb up and down. And uh, I'm going to make my way eastwards now along the northern edge of two fields which we call North and South Sheepfield and past the, the large wooden statue of Jimmy Lowe who was an old asparagus farmer who worked these fields. Asparagus back then uh, in, the, in the 20th century and earlier as well in the 19th century was a big business at Formby and um, at one point apparently over 200 acres of land was being cultivated for asparagus just in Formby. Sadly now however there's very few asparagus farmers left um, but some of the traces of the landscape, landscape can still be seen 
So in some areas you can still see the ridges and the furrows of the land. I'm going to head towards Squirrel Walk, I think. Um, perhaps the most well-used part of the site, as it's probably one of the best places to see red squirrels here at Formby. This is probably because uh, the squirrels used to be fed by members of the public and staff around these parts of the woods. However, we've moved away from feeding the squirrels as it can increase the risk of spreading disease and infections, such as squirrel pox, which we had an outbreak of back in August 2019, I think it was. So we don't feed the squirrels anymore. Plus, there's plenty of natural food for them to eat in these woods, such as berries and pine cones. I'm just underneath a tree with a, uh, a tree creeper which is just easing itself up the, up the branches on this old pine tree, just seeing if there's anything inside that it can nibble on. There's not a huge amount of birds in these pine woods. It's nice to see a tree creeper and I've seen the odd robin also this morning as well, which is always lovely to see around this time of year as I'm, uh, I'm actually recording this on Christmas Eve. So I've just uh, started my walk through Squirrel Walk and uh, it's quite a lovely environment. It's very, very dark and dense but as I mentioned earlier you've got the sunlight streaming through the tops of the trees which is always nice. There's uh, quite a lot of pigeons around, a lot of magpies and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of squirrels. I find, as I mentioned earlier, the best way to, to spot a squirrel is just stop every five minutes or so for about five minutes. It does make you walk a bit longer but it's just using those ears. See if you can listen out for the sound of sort of needles or feed just dropping from the from the tops of the canopies, because that's where they'll be. It's very rare that you see them on the ground. They are much more adapt in the trees, and that's I think why they've coped so well here at the pinewoods at Formby, as it's uh, very tall, a lot of uh, high trees which they like to spend some time in. So I'm just walking through now and uh, enjoying the peace and tranquility of a nice quiet day through the woods. I'm going to continue heading south and I'm going to come all the way to Blundell Avenue which is actually where the, uh, the rangers are based at the countryside office. So I might uh, nip in there for a cup of tea and um, if you'd like to stop as well, take a breather, that sounds like a good idea. We've had a, a nice long walk this morning already and we've got at least two thirds of the site to explore still. So I hope you had a nice little break. I uh, had a nice warm cup of tea and that's certainly uh, given me a bit of energy. So I've, I'm back on Blundell Avenue and I'm going to head towards Lark Hill Field and Lark Hill Heath. The heath in particular is um, really special. It's a, it's a triple SI because it's such a rare habitat. In fact, it's one of the rarest habitats um, that we have in the UK. And it's so rare um, because it's a uh, lowland heath. What that means is that it's um, quite a unique habitat for a number of different invertebrates and um, we get a special butterfly called the green hair streak which uh, lives there. And um, yeah, a few other different species as well, hopefully a few more uh, things like reptiles and stuff as we start work on improving the heath in the next few years. So uh, I'm walking onto Lark Hill 
now and I'm going to veer to my east and head um, into the woods which are just south of Blundell Avenue. made my way south out of the woods just south of Blundell Avenue and onto a field called Brooks's Field. Um, this alludes to the, uh, the family that I mentioned earlier who were one of the last asparagus farmers in Formby. And I'm going to walk just along the edge of this field into a little area which is called Wicks Lake. And uh, as you probably guessed, there's a lake there. So there's just a little walk through the lake and then we're onto the what was Sefton Council's land up until a few years ago when we acquired it from them. So we'll be crossing the boundaries shortly. It's, uh, it's quite a little nice lake round here. There's always ducks in the lake. I can see a few now in fact. And it's always a popular spot for dog walkers to, to walk through. By the lakeside here I can see at least 20 or so different mallards, male and female. And I always like the mallard, I think they're, they're often, because they're such a common bird, they're often perhaps overlooked, but um, if you really take a good look at them, they have the most beautiful heads, it's really iridescent green, and then a, a striking yellow beak. And it's, they're really quite pretty birds, but like I say, with the fact that they're often seen in, in uh, most parks and gardens and lakes all around the country, they're maybe overlooked a bit, but um, yeah, quite beautiful birds. So I've come over the bridge at Wicks Lake and um, I'm through onto the next field, still heading south. And uh, you can see quite clearly here that this field used to be uh, used for asparagus because there's still the ridges and the furrows in the ground which clearly show how it used to be ploughed for asparagus growing. It's a nice little feature and it kind of it gives some resemblance to what the tide and what that does to the beach and it creates those sort of ripple marks. A bit of a uh, synchronicity there which is quite nice. As I look east, I can see the dunes quite far away now. I've really headed inland quite a bit. And uh, just above them, some clouds are forming, but it's still quite bright uh, due south. So uh, the sun's glorious. I'm gonna continue heading south into a little area we call the hollow. And again, as you've probably guessed, it's because it's a bit of a hollow. So I've come up the Kirk Lake path and I'm now uh, turning right just before you get to the corner with Kirk Lake Road and I'm going to head south and I'm going to keep this plantation on my right hand side. 
Now inside this plantation it was an old sort of school education area and it used to be part of something called the Squirrel Trail which was something that uh, Sefton Council were involved in when that was created. I think it was in the late 90s. And uh, what's quite nice about this area for me in particular is that uh, a few months ago we were doing some work here to remove some of the tree guards and I was chatting to a colleague and uh, he said, oh, I've, I've worked here for, you know, six, seven years and I've never seen a squirrel around this area. And I, I in, you know, the short time that I've been here, uh, I hadn't seen a squirrel here either. But obviously, given the name Squirrel Trail, we thought there must be, there must have been squirrels here at some point. So anyway, as we continued our work, we walked through the woods and uh, lo and behold, right in front of our eyes, we saw two squirrels chasing each other on the trees. And we were both awestruck by uh, just the sheer audacity of them to, to jump through the trees at such speed. You know, it really kind of just stopped us in our tracks. And we spent five minutes just watching them jump from tree to tree, chasing each other round and round, up and down, without any sort of fear that they would fall off. It was quite impressive and really something that will stick with me for a long time. Yeah, it just proves how amazing and how adept they are at climbing through the trees when you witness something like that. This path will lead me out onto Lifeboat Road, which is what we call the, the other car park we have at Formby. And this road uh, leads all the way out to the beach, in fact, but uh, obviously with the dunes encroaching on, on the land, uh, it's actually blocked off half of the road now. So uh, I'm going to head out onto the road, and instead of heading up towards the car park, I'm going to turn left down the road and go down one of the rights of way, which is just at the end of the road and down towards part of the site which we call Raven Moles and it's a nice quiet part of the site. So you can probably hear under my feet, it's quite wet around here. Like I say, with all the rain we've had recently, it's uh, really made the path quite muddy. But uh, thankfully no slips so far. I'm, uh, I'm walking down uh, what is St Luke's Church Road. And I'm turning back onto uh, our land into a section of the site which is called Cambridge Field Woods. And this area here was planted up 40 or so years ago with pine trees so there's a mixture of kind of plantations here but also a bit of sycamore and various other different sort of deciduous species and it's a nice part of the site it's really underused by tourists really I think it's only an area which is known to to locals which means you only seem to see the occasional dog walker through here but it's a really quite nice part of the site well away from the hustle and bustle of Victoria Road Just spotted a pair of long-tailed tits just chasing each other at the top of the, the tree just in front of me. I think it's a sycamore. It's always nice to see long-tailed tits. They're quite a beautiful bird and like I say as this part of site is quite quiet it tends to be somewhere we hear a lot more birdsong than other areas. I think just because it has less visitor pressure.
What I hope you can hear is the sound of two robins, at least two, perhaps three robins, chattering to each other, about 20 metres or so from each other, and I'm just standing in between the two. It's times like these that you wonder, I wonder what they're chatting about. Perhaps it's me. So I'm back amongst some nice large pines again, but there's also some really nice dwarfed and very misshapen pines which would have been uh, shaped because of the wind here. So uh, certainly on that seaward edge of the plantation here, you get these really sort of, I would call them like manipulated pines almost. They've been bent and uh, contoured to the shape of the wind. And with the wind so strong at this point, it's quite interesting to see how the trees have adapted to that and uh, how they've grown to go with the wind as opposed to into it. So I'm going to continue heading south, past the, the dwarf pines on my right hand side now, until I reach something called Devil's Hole, which is probably our best example of a wet slack. Um, so across the site we have a number of slacks or scrapes which are effectively ephemeral pools, so they sort of dry up in the summer and are full of water in the winter. And it's slacks such as Devil's Hole which are home to the Natterjack Toad, a very rare amphibian which the, the Sefton Coast is famous for, alongside species such as sand lizards and Northern tiger beetles. Um, these toads, they, they have a bright green stripe down their back which sort of distinguishes them from the common toad, and they favour slacks such as this to breed and feed. Devil's Hole itself uh, is a large hollow, and uh, I'm going to, when I, when I get there, I'll be able to see sheer steep sandy edges the tops of which are covered in marum grass, but the rest is all bare sand. And at the bottom of this hollow, in the wetter parts, is a mosaic of different wet-loving species, such as uh, marsh orchids and things like that, as well as lots of different wildflowers. So each spring and summer we survey each slack across the site for signs of toad spawn strings, and record the numbers of common and natterjack toads that we find, as well as other amphibians such as newts and frogs and things. Um, and that's to kind of see how their numbers are faring. The, the natterjacks come to slacks such as this to breed, so the males announce their presence to the female by producing this loud booming sound which can be heard from apparently up to a mile away. Um, Devil's Hole is perhaps one of the best slacks for numbers. Uh, unfortunately it does struggle with visitor pressure in particular, um, certainly from disturbance from dogs. Uh, we get many visitors who know about Devil's Hole and they're aware that they shouldn't allow their dog to go in the pool or drink from it as they can kill emerging toadlets but unfortunately many visitors don't know this and despite signage and education and community involvement they can significantly damage the chances of survival and reproductive success of this already declining species. This is by allowing the dogs to swim and run through the shallow edges of the slack um, which is exactly the spot for toadlets to be growing. Devil's Hole is perhaps our most biodiverse area on site, with around 200 different species of flora being recorded here uh, over the last few decades. So it's, uh, it's quite important, and uh, certainly important for the Natterjack Toad too. Some actually believe that the blowout at Devil's Hole is in fact a crater created by a bomb which was dropped in the Second World War. Um, however it was created, to be honest, uh, either through natural processes or because of a bomb, nature clearly has flourished here. And it's a lovely place to take visitors who are interested in seeing the wide variety of wildflowers on show.
I'm going to continue walking through Devil's Hole and then come out the other side, the sort of seaward side, and start heading on my long journey back north. So I've gone to the top of a site earlier on. I'm now at the furthest south side of the site. There is a little bit more dune grass than to the south, but at this point I think I'm going to start heading north. So I've continued to walk further north since leaving Devil's Hole and I've uh, crossed over Albert Road and I'm still heading north now and in fact this is um, part of the butterfly transect which we conduct in the summer. Normally we try to do it every week and what that does is basically gives us a, a good idea of sort of what butterfly species are, are doing well here and um, if we've got any certain species which are thriving or those which seem to be struggling. The transect gives us a good idea of which habitats certain species grow in and thrive in and also which, uh, which habitats other species don't seem to do so well in and uh, it's something we try and conduct every week. So it's a nice, nice walk and uh, it's a good chance during the, the, the busy periods in the summer where hordes of people flock onto the beach to, uh, to spend a bit of time in the dunes and uh, look at butterflies. So I've started to head further inland now. I've turned turned my right, which is uh, eastwards, and uh, I've come along a road which is called Alexandra Road. Although it wouldn't be uh, certain, it certainly wouldn't be good to drive along. One of the the most amazing things I think about living on the Sefton Coast and working on the Sefton Coast is the fact that the that nature and uh, the coast can be so dynamic. And uh, I'm starting to join a trail which is called the Lost Resort and that's because this part of the coast used to have a promenade and roads such as Alexandra Road used to lead well out into sort of seaward side and over the years as the coast has eroded you know which is a natural process these roads have become unusable houses have washed into the sea and the promenade has become well just nothing more than dunes hidden by lots and lots of sand and uh, colonised by marram grass and other species and it's quite quite an amazing thing to witness on one of those windy days such as today to see how much the how much the coast erodes on on these windy days. We see something like four meters a year on average of coast which is eroding at certain parts, and some big storm events we see you know up to ten meters of coast eroding just sing, a single event. So uh, it really is a quite dynamic environment, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, things like walking along old roads which really puts that into perspective. So I'm just taking a few seconds to catch my breath. So I've been on the go for quite a while now and what better place than in this little patch of scrub. This, uh, this area here in the middle of the dunes is a patch of sea buckthorn which is, um, if you don't know it, it's a very sharp and uh, prickly species of, of tree and it has these really really bright orange berries which in fact are very very sour oh, uh, if you want to give them the go they are edible but uh, I know certain people, uh, one colleague in particular likes them a lot but I find them quite sour they remind me of some of the old um, toxic waste sweets which I used to have when I was younger you know, they really just pull your jaw apart really it's um, quite sour yeah no, it's a nice place to stop and um, there's always birds singing when I get into this patch of the dunes. The 
This is also an area which is on the butterfly transect, which I said uh, we conduct in the spring summertime. And whenever we come down here, we often find a lot of red admirals seem to uh, just pop out of the scrub. It seems to be a popular place for them as well. So I have made my way north still and past the uh, caravan site on my east side and uh, onto Lifeboat Road. And this is another road I think I mentioned earlier which has been sort of overtaken by nature. The road leads up to our car park and then past that point the sand just engulfs it and as you continue going towards the sea the dunes form and the highway, the tarmac is lost underneath the dunes somewhere under here. I'm gonna gonna head left. I'm gonna head towards the sea because up here there is an observation tower, which is a quite a nice spot to just get up to the top of and uh, enjoy the view. So I'll meet you there in a second. So I made my way to the top of the observation point, and I think it was a little bit too windy up there. So I decided it probably wouldn't be worth me recording anything. As, uh, probably wouldn't be able to hear much of it. So I've started to head down and towards bay one of our car park at Lifeboat Road. And I'm going to wander through the car park and uh, just to see how everyone's doing. It looks like a busy day today. And head out towards the fully wheelchair accessible beach boardwalk. It's one of the best things I think about the site is the fact that even in such a dynamic environment as uh, the coast, we're able to still provide wheelchair accessible facilities so that people can get onto the beach. So I've made my way along the, uh, the wheelchair accessible path which leads to the boardwalk. It's a really nice path, very smooth, a uh, few ups and downs but other than that very flat which is it's quite impressive considering the location. I'm at the bottom of the boardwalk now so I'm going to take a quick stroll up to the end of the boardwalk and down onto the beach just to have another little glimpse of the sea. Just to the, uh, the left of the, the end of the boardwalk on the beach I, I doubt I'll be able to speak much when I get there, as I think the wind's really picked up. But uh, when you get onto the beach, you'll be able to see the lifeguard station. And in fact, if you were to head further south, you'd see what was the first lifeboat station in the entire world. You can see the remains of the footprint at some point along the beach. Probably about three or four minutes walk from the end of the boardwalk. So I've made my way back down the, uh, the boardwalk and back onto land and I'm starting to head north still to get back to where we started and what's popped into my mind is a memory from uh, the summer around spring summertime, I think it was around April or May I remember coming down here and hearing probably a dozen, maybe two dozen skylarks singing in the sky it was quite a, a sight to behold and really really beautiful to listen to I'm sure hopefully next spring I'll be able to witness and hear the same thing again. I've just walked along the Sefton Coast footpath now for about three quarters of a mile or so and I've reached the point where it bends east towards Blundell Avenue. I'm going to walk along a path here called Sandfield Path as it skirts around a field adjacent to the countryside office and uh, a field which is called Sandfield. Not the, not the most imaginative, imaginative name of all uh, for a coastal environment, but there you go. Um, this path, it also boundaries one of the asparagus fields still cultivated by the Brooks family. 
but what I was hoping to hear uh, as I walked along it were the sound of the family of buzzards which nest in the woods next to Sandfield. We're very lucky really to have the buzzards so close to the office which means we often get to see them um, really close up and get some nice glimpses of them when they're sitting on fence posts or they, they tend to like sitting on one of the tops of the trees um, just adjacent to the office. We tend to hear them calling quite a lot as well and circling overhead which is always quite pleasant and uh, you can spot their sort of brilliant white undersides and their, their yellowy orange talons. Unfortunately at the moment they're not out but uh, no doubt they're probably not too far away. There is also a stretch of black poplars which are native black poplars quite a rare tree which you find here at Formby. Um, they've got this beautifully kind of uh, distinct appearance. They're very gnarled and they actually have this special um, ability to, to send roots down in branches which have reached the floor. So what you see is um, trees which have obviously grown up and then fallen over and uh, at the point where it's reached the floor they then start growing again and uh, it just looks like a, a tree that's grown from two different spots and joined in the middle. It's uh, quite impressive and they're very old and very gnarled and it's a, a nice little area of, uh, of Formby which um, is another one of its quirks and another one of its interesting features which uh, not many people know about. So I'm making my way back towards Victoria Road, just along the woodland walk stretch. It's quite a muddy bit of sight. You might be able to hear my feet squelching under under the sound of my voice. But it's uh, quite a nice little bit and as it's so close to Squirrel Walk, it tends to be very well used. I've passed lots of families this morning and uh, dog walkers. But uh, yeah, a lovely walk and I've really enjoyed today. It's been really nice to just uh, get out and see the site at ground level. We're so often in vehicles and going from the same sort of places, so it's nice to really experience the site on foot and just uh, remind myself of why I really enjoy working here and why visitors enjoy coming here. I hope you've enjoyed my audio walk. I must say it's the first time I've done one and uh, I'm probably due some training on getting a bit better at it, but uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I've certainly enjoyed making it and I look forward to, to meeting any new visitors which come and visit Formby, I'd be happy to tell them more about it. Uh, you should be able to find the map uh, on the website which shows exactly where I've gone. So if you fancy following the walk yourself, you're very welcome to. It is a nice walk. It's taken me a few hours, so it's a, a good walk, at least a few miles, but it's definitely worth it and a nice way to kind of experience all the different habitats we have here at Formby and all the different uh, special things which we have to offer. Anyway, I'm going to leave you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Formby Podcast is an independent production. It comes to you free. If you'd like us to tell your story, or you know of a story, contact us at formbypodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>